Welcome to Nostrovia. Today we have a special guest, Quentin from Get Albi. Hello, Quentin, and welcome. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. So do you want to tell us about yourself and your role at Get Albi? Absolutely. I'm Quentin, 29, from Belgium, and I am a software engineer. So I mainly specialize in writing backend software and deploying it in the clouds with regards to the Lightning Network. So installing Lightning Nodes in the clouds and writing software which interacts with Lightning Nodes is something which I've been doing for five years uh, now, I think. First as a hobby, but then also professionally. And before getting into Lightning, like what were you doing? Like I wouldn't really say I was in astrophysics, but I was, I graduated from university in 2017 and I have a degree in physics and my master's thesis was in, in astrophysics, but it, it, I wouldn't really call myself a, an astrophysicist, maybe sometimes to impress someone or something. I don't know. So I graduated here from university in 2017 with a degree in physics. And yeah, at the time, I think I was mainly in my last year of university, you want to have a, basically, if you want to pursue a, a career in, in physics, like academia or something, like a lot of my friends, like some are doing PhDs and so on, but mainly if even after someone has completed PhD, a lot of people get into software development or computer science stuff. So uh, a lot of my friends also work in AI. So it's, it's really like not a very big step to, to pursue something related to computer science after a physics degree, because like you get a lot of computer science things to run simulations mostly. So a lot of physics is running simulations in Python or C++, but mostly Python. Mm -hmm. So we had this course called astrophysical simulations, which you, so the assistant of the course told us that, okay. If you have, if you have windows, I cannot really help you. <laughs> and so <laughs> then they, it, it was like a big Ubuntu install party, basically. <laughs> but actually that, that came quite late. It was already my fourth year of university. I sh they should have done it right from the start. It like forced everyone to install Linux instead of windows. And yeah, maybe I, I would have gotten into Bitcoin earlier. Who knows? <laughs> But, but yeah, but mostly because of that, you install Linux and then you start doing all these kinds of weird things. And yeah, so that, that's when it really all started like running, just coding in Python mostly. And then I also took some courses on general Linux things and so on. So it, that's when I, I think I, this is a very interesting story, how I, I ended up in Bitcoin. I was, it was during during the exams. So I was supposed to be studying, but I just was Googling what to install on my Ubuntu, like just Googling stupid stuff. Like what can I install, which is cool. And then they had the, these weird things. And one of the things I ended like finding was, okay, you can install Zcash mining software. Uh -huh. And this is actually the first thing that I heard about cryptocurrency. Like I might've heard about it, but I really wasn't aware of it whatsoever. So I was installing this thing and I like, okay, you can mine Zcash on your laptop. I tried it. Didn't, I, I really had no idea whatsoever what I was doing. It didn't work at all, but that was when I first heard about it. And then I think some, a uh, couple of months later, I also found uh, Reddit, the subreddits and so on, and then started watching Andreas Antonopoulos and then really fell down the rabbit hole quite fast, I'd say, and then 
Like I was looking for something to do after university. I was like, okay, maybe I should like, yeah, pursue some job somewhere, maybe in academia or maybe, and then I found Bitcoin and I think, okay, this might be interesting for the next uh, couple of years or something. This might be like something big. And then I also immediately found out about Lightning Network because I, I don't know if I would be as interested in Bitcoin. If it wasn't uh, for the Lightning Network, maybe I, I just wouldn't be interested at all because I really, it's okay, there's this, there's Bitcoin, but basically it doesn't scale, but maybe we can do something called the Lightning Network, which is theoretically, because this was back in 2017, is going to be a good scaling solution. And then we can do micro payments and then we can set up all this payment infrastructure. And it, it's, it spoke to me more on a technical level mm -hmm. because like I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not really into Bitcoin for, I, I don't think I would be in it for like ideological reasons or something, but I'm really like mostly interested in the Lightning Network on a technical level. So like just buying Bitcoin or stacking or trading or like stacking sets and put them, putting them all in your hardware wallets, it doesn't really speak to me as much as a new payment infrastructure that, that's is like, like a technological innovation and which we can use to solve some problems which exist on the internet uh, today yeah absolutely i don't know i don't know if i would be as interested in bitcoin if it wasn't for lightning network you started yeah. with running a node and then right. like, where did you go from there yeah i ran a node in early 2018 when it was like the first software came out i still didn't really know what i was doing and i tried to sync a note and buy the blockstream stickers which is one of the first things that you could buy on lightning and i managed to do that in about one month or something because i had to sync bitcoin d on my on my laptop which took a couple of weeks and then finally i was able to open a channel to the blockstream store and, and buy the stickers so satisfying when you finally get it done, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I still have a tweet. I used to have a tweet about that, but I think that's all nuked now because <laughs> I, I deleted my Twitter account. I don't, I'm not on, on, on the site formerly known as Twitter anymore. But yeah, but I also got a job somewhere in a software development company here in Belgium. I specifically looked for Go in the job description, Google Golang. Because mm -hmm. I knew at the time that LND was written in Go and I really wanted to learn Go for that reason. So that's why I found a job and uh, started uh, working with Go basically. And then from there? From there. Yeah, there is a lot more to this story. I did a couple of software development jobs here, just not non-Bitcoin related. I also started working as a freelancer and then during COVID, I started working on this idea that I had to start something that I wanted to start or make an app or start something in the lightning space. And my main idea was very simple, which is, okay, we're gonna do, we're gonna sell Bitcoin. Basically we're gonna make a, some kind of exchange or just not an exchange, just a stacking app. Like you have a lot of them right now, but it's gonna be extensive, exclusively over lightning. So you're mm -hmm. gonna. So this was, this was my idea. Okay. We're making an app. You just send the money and you receive them in your lightning wallets as, as sets almost immediately. It's really similar to, I think what the first iteration of strike looked like, uh, or also there are a lot of stacking apps like bitter and relay in Europe, something like that. And yeah, but it was going to be exclusively over, over lightning. 
So I, so I started working on that in maybe already in 20 or yeah, I really remember, but then. So in 2021, I actually launched it and it was called Flitz Technologies. So the app was called Flitz and it was available in Europe for a couple of months before I shut it down. It was pretty successful. So how it worked was like, okay, you wire the money, you send a SEPA transfer and sometimes SEPA transfers can even be instant. It can work really fast sometimes if your bank supports it. And then I would automatically buy the Bitcoin for you on the exchange, take some fees of it. And then I would send an URL withdrawal link to the app, which would then, which you would then get in your app and you would be able to open another lightning wallet on your phone, like Phoenix wallet or blue wallets or wallet of Satoshi or anything. And then you would be able to automatically withdraw the sets directly. So this was mainly before also something like the lightning address existed, which is what you might use for that right now. But it like LNURL withdrawal also works with, with non-custodial wallets like Phoenix. That's the nice thing of it, but mainly, yeah. So that was live for a couple of months, but there's a lot more going on in this period because like, I, I didn't really know what I was, what I wanted to do at the time, if I was going to launch this app or not. But so at the same time, so this might've been some kind of mistake. I also applied at strike and I actually got the job as well at strike. So I ended up in a very short period of time, like having to do both of these things. So I had a job at strike, but I also had this app running. And then I was like, I really, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now because it was quite a stressful time as well. It was, it wasn't very clear that this was not sustainable. Like the app itself, I, I was doing everything myself. And basically if you really want to do something, you sometimes get blinded for the, the problems that, that might arise. And then it turns out that it might have been a bit too much uh, for me to handle by myself. And I, I never really found someone that I who gave a co-founder or anything, but so I ended up having to quit my job at strike again. So I only worked there for a couple of months. So before I quit again, but then a couple of weeks later, it was actually clear that I had to quit the app as well, because the, the challenges were just too big to, to handle by myself. So there's not only. So mainly I didn't really had any issues with like regulatory or the bank or anything, but they probably, they certainly would have showed up uh, later because I wasn't really doing that much volume, but I could easily see it getting way out of hand. And then I really wouldn't be able to, to do anything anymore. So it was really, it wasn't sustainable to do that kind of thing by myself, not only for these compliance or banking issues, but all, also because of accounting. Which is something which also, yeah, is <laughs> if you're doing this kinds of operations, okay, yeah. you get money, you buy the Bitcoin, is there, it, it all worked basically, yeah. but to get the accounting side was really a, a really big challenge. And I had to work, I think I, yeah, it, it took me more than a year afterwards to, to sort things out and to be able to present my accountant with a, a clear overview of what actually happens. <laughs> So yeah, that was, it's really, that was really the challenge that I really didn't foresee that. Yeah. That was a bit blind to at the time. Sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. But so then 
this is about 2021 and yeah, the end of 2021. And at the time, okay, maybe I, I was really burned out a bit and I had to cut it all out. So I was, I, at the time I thought, okay, maybe I just should get another regular old software development job to get a bit back to my senses or something. But I started looking for a new job, but I was contacted by, because I had some, uh, like gained some game or something with this app. I was contacted by a couple of Bitcoin companies. I also contacted some myself and one of which was, was Albi. And that's actually how this story ends with me starting to work for Albi. Yeah. Like cool. And today, what do you do with get Albi? What is your role mostly at get Albi? So I am mostly responsible for all the infrastructure, which is running in the clouds. And that is mostly everything which has to do with, okay, maybe 80% of it is everything which is related to the custodial wallets. So Albi okay. uh, so stands for LBE, so Lightning Browser Extension, and that's where the name Albi comes from. So it's a browser extension that you can use. So it's a wallet in your browser. First of all, it's a, not it's a browser extension that you can use to connect to your own lightning node, or you can use our, uh, custodial wallets, or you can use LM bits or basically a lot of connectors are available. And I am mostly responsible for managing the infrastructure, the lightning nodes, the accounting software and other supporting software, which is, which makes up the custodial account system. A lot. When you started with GetLB, it was what, 21 or 22? Yes, you... early, like December 21. Yeah. Oh, you're really early. I remember Boomi had come out with a couple of demos at the time. So yeah. you guys were yeah. very young, right? Um, yeah, yeah. GetLB just started too. Right? Yeah. I... Like, I think I was like maybe the third person to join after Boomi and Moritz uh, founded it basically. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So pretty early. Wow. Yeah. 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 I think that's around when I started using GetLB. It's end of 21. Oh, that's also pretty, yeah. pretty early. I yeah. Mean, I was yeah. so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, look, we finally <laughs> have an extension for us yeah. over the moon because the only thing that existed in a similar fashion before that was MetaMask for Ethereum. I was like, when is yeah. Bitcoin going to get one? <laughs> you know, so it yeah. was great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. There was also Jewel by Will Burns, right? No, Willow Burn. Like he had something called Lightning Jewel, which was the first Lightning Browser extension. Never but saw that, that one. Yeah, that was, yeah, it's a bit lesser known. It was to connect your, you could uh, connect your L&D node, but yeah, didn't really get shown that much. So do you guys spend most of your time running everything on LND or CLN or is it, it just... Yeah, we mainly run LND. So in practice, we, we run LND for all production uses. So there are, let me, so the custodial wallets is based, is, is using LND under the hood. So you can look up our node. It says it's called getalbi.com. Uh, it's about, I think, place 30 in the capacity ranking. And this node is powering something which is called lndhub.go. So lndhub is software which was first written by Blue Wallets, by the Blue Wallet team, which used to 
powered uh, blue wallet, custodial lightning wallet, which was mm -hmm. one of the first, first easy to use custodial wallets back in 2018 or something. And so Boomi came to me and said, okay, we want to rewrite, um, the LD hub software. We will, we want to have the same API so people can use their all custodial wallet on their mobile phone through the blue wallet interface, but we want to rewrite it in Go and using a relational database because at the time still it's the original LND software is written in JavaScript and it's using Redis as a database system, which is, I would say less ideal for production use. And also the software, even the original LND software is not, not actively maintained anymore. Yeah. We, at the time we used it so people could use their lightning wallet also on their mobile. So there's also Zeus wallets, which supports the, the LND API. So a lot of people probably now use uh, Zeus wallets to connect to their custodial Albi accounts. So you can use it both in your extension, in the extension. We will come out with a mobile app, but at the time there are no concrete plans to do something like that. But obviously, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, in, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna happen at some points, but, uh, we have some projects right now in the pipeline, which are like maybe stepping stones towards a, a mobile app. First of all, there is, we're going to release the, the website as a PWA. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, but you can package, you can package a, a website as a mobile app and then it's called a progressive web app. So PWA, and so there is, so there is also the, uh, the Albi web dashboards, which is, can be found at getalbi.com. And then if you click on dashboard, you can log in with your extension and then you basically have a web, uh, dashboard of your account and you can also, you can, you can use that to configure settings, but in your, in the future, you will also be able to use that to send and receive just generic send and receive functionality. And then you can also. This, so this will be packaged as a mobile app under the form of a PWA, which is not a complete mobile native experience, but it can be pretty good as well. You can avoid the Apple store restrictions, right? Which is important for Nostra. Yeah. Our users are Nostra. Let's go back to the whole infrastructure, since this is your area of expertise. Like when you first started Get Albi versus Now, in terms of growth, can you talk a little bit about what is potential barriers to growing? Because there's a lot of growth in Enlightening Network and things like, can you talk a little bit about your enterprise experience? Right. Yeah. So on a technical level, there are certainly some challenges for growth. So the first thing that I would need to mention in this, on this topic is L&D itself. As there are multiple lightning implementations, but they all have their, their pros and cons. So LND is obviously the most uh, widely used lightning software and they have a very extensive API, gRPC, REST, and they have like tons of things like a huge API and they have the best developer experience. But running an LND node at scale is something which is, which a lot of people struggle with because they made the decision early on to use a database, which is called Beebolt. And this, whereas the other two major implementations, C-Lightning and Eclair, I use like SQL based okay. databases. 
And so this, maybe it's not entirely correct what I say, but this mainly, so actually roast beef himself has also come out and said, okay, we've actually outgrown Beebold because if you want to run a node with a lot of channels and a lot of updates on those channels, then it, yeah, it's not the most scalable option. Basically you would be better off running a relational database backend. What do you prefer? Postgres or something else? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would say Postgres is the, is a, one of the best options here. So for example, Claire has uh, Postgres support, C-Lightning has Postgres support, and then you can, the, the good thing about it is that you can use all the tooling, which is available for Postgres for decades, like database replication, automatic backups, and so on to backup the database. And then your lightning node can be more what they call stateless, because if you have the Beebold database is, is more coupled with the node in that it cannot be like a remote server. It has to be like a mounted uh, disk. So if you run your lightning node in a Kubernetes cluster, like we do it, it, you have to mount a disk and so on. That's not ideal. But the main pain point is that if your node becomes really big, it can uh, take a while to start up again, basically. And this is the, like the main pain point that we have. Okay. So if the node crashes or if it, it will be automatically restarted, but the problem is that it can take quite some time, at least half an hour, probably sometimes even up to. The worst I've seen, I think is up to three hours or something, but that's, so that's really the main, the main thing, which I would say on a technical level, what our problems have been for scaling lightning basically. But yeah, we've developed some, some solutions for that problem. So we run a, so the LND hub.go software, which I, together with my colleagues have developed for the past two years is able to, to connect to multiple backend nodes. And so. That's the infrastructure that we have right now. Like we have one main LND node and a backup node. And so if the main uh, LND node goes down, then the traffic is automatically switched to, to the backend nodes, which is much smaller. So it's only used when the main node is down. So that's why it, it doesn't need to be as big. And so this happens, this failover happens automatically if all goes well. And that's why we can have, if the main node cr crashes, we have an automatic back backup. We also use something called RabbitMQ, which is a message queue system, which is used in enterprise to develop design uh, events driven systems. Mm -hmm. So both the nodes actually have some sidecar software running, which puts all the incoming payments on RabbitMQ and mm -hmm. then these incoming or outgoing payments are consumed by the LND app software. And so mm -hmm. everything works out in the end, basically. So if the main node then comes back online then traffic is automatically switched back to its basically. Two questions yeah. here for you. The first one is your LND Go implementation. Is that open source or is it? It is. it is. You can find it at github.com slash getalby slash lndup.go and there you can find it. So we haven't really had a lot of like outside contributions to it, but a couple here and there. But so yeah, if you're interested in it, you can certainly find it on our GitHub. Sure. And the second one is you run everything exclusively on Kubernetes and you said there's one main node and then there's a bunch of backup nodes. Is that the kind of main with satellite backups? Is that how you describe it? Yeah, that's the main setup. The backup node only needs to work, only has five channels or something. You can also find it. It's also called getalby.com. It has only has a couple of channels and it only needs to work when the main node is down. So we can 
Like we want to keep it small, keep it from growing. So it doesn't have the same problem as the main node that it takes a long time to, to start up basically. Can you talk uh, about yeah. volume of transactions that you have? Yeah. So this one, we actually did disclose this over, I think in August was the first. So August was the first month, which in which we did more than 1 million transactions. And then we've hit it again every month uh, since then. So in September as well, and probably in this month as well. Yeah, it's, it's really been growing over the past year and yeah, a lot of this growth has. So earlier, like last year, late last year, this growth mainly came from the podcasting space. So the value for value podcasting payments, so which use Keysense. And, but then since January and mostly since March and May, when we came out with an Osterwald Connect, which is also something we've developed, then like the Zaps really became a big driver of transaction growth and volume that really pushed us towards like this volume that we had in, in August with 1 million monthly payments. And yeah, certainly for example, the Zapathons, I don't know if you're yeah. probably familiar with it. I'm sure our listeners are very familiar with Zapathons, they're on nuts, they're nuts. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this sometimes can go quite bonkers. I think, yeah, we, at one point we had, I think during a Zapathon, when I looked at it, I, I think the, the record is like 10,000 payments in 30 minutes or something, which can really put up with quite a bit of, of stress on the lightning notes. But I think we, we handled it quite well, mostly also because of the, the automatic uh, backup system that we have in place. So yeah, that's, that's been driving growth for the past year. Yeah. So this question, I'm not sure about because you work on the back end, but what are some frequently misunderstood things that get users might have? Um, I think the main thing to understand is related to the custodial accounts and the extension and also how the Nostra parts ties into that. So if you install the extension and if you use your own nodes, then you have almost like perfect privacy. We have no insights in those users whatsoever, other than maybe counting uh, the number of downloads. If you use the custodial, if you use the Albi account, then your funds, your Bitcoin is in the custodial Albi account, but your Nostr key is obviously still only inside the extension and it's, it's secured, it's encrypted on disk. It's not shared with anyone. It's, it's not shared with Albi. It's not shared with Google. It's just, it lives in the extension basically. So that's, I think the one thing to understand that people should uh, sometimes maybe have some trouble understanding. That's mainly the main thing I want to say, I think. Yeah. And then in terms of all these are mostly, it's a hundred percent no KYC, right? The wallets right, right now. Are right. you seeing anybody giving you guys issues with that? So it, it's not, it's not because we don't ask for like personal information that there's absolutely no, no KYC. So. There are some, we have some systems in place. So we also recently introduced some volume limits. So you cannot like use Albi to transact for tens of thousands of dollars a month. We, I, I don't know exactly what they are at the moment, but there are some limits about the volume that you can do with the Albi wallet. So if you're gonna uh, use it to, to do really big amounts of volume, then you will run into the limits and you 
you won't be able to transact for some time anymore. And this is a measure which is needed for compliance reasons. So we have the custodial accounts. And so the only personal information that we collect from users right there is an email address. But it's not because we don't collect this information that we don't do any KYC or compliance, basically. There are some limits in place, so you cannot use the custodial accounts to transact large amounts of money. And also, we also monitor for things like smurfing, which is people creating multiple accounts and using those to, to circumvent these kinds of limits. Yeah, it, it basically, we, we, the fact that uh, we don't collect any personal information is not that we don't do any KYC, basically. So yeah, that's about. That's What's about the it. time limit? You said there's like a time limit, timeout, like if you're transferring too much, like how long? Yeah, I, I would have, I would need to look it up what it's at the moment. And we're also experimenting with it a bit. And I think it's launched, it was launched earlier this month. But yeah, uh, I think it's like a weekly, like right now it's like a weekly limit. But I think at the, yeah, we can also do, we, we are still in the process of figuring out what the best limit is. I think it's like, like it's very loose right now, but it will probably get, get stricter in the future, basically. Sure. As Noster explodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah or using Noster. Right. So do you see the usage this year in 23? It's, as you mentioned, it's mostly driven by Noster. Is it exponential growth or is it linear growth? Is it at some points, it was really exponential. And yeah, that, that had mostly, mostly to do with Nostra Wallet Connect, I'd say, which we can also talk about. Uh, yeah, let's so, talk about that. Tell, me, yeah. tell us about what that, why is that, that yeah. so important? So Nostra Wallet, there was this, so on Nostra, as a lot of people probably know, Will, JB55 came up with something called zapping, which is like a, a native tipping for insets using lightning on Nostra. This really took the, the value for value uh, story to a new level, I'd say, because all the donations are like, it's, it's really an easy way to, to send someone some sets for uh, social media posts or even a, a contact list, say. But there was this issue in that on the web, if you use a browser, then you could use Albi to make these kinds of payments seamlessly without needing to switch devices or anything. But the, the main problem on mobile was that if you wanted to use uh, Damus or Amethyst or something to, to tip someone, you had to open your Lightning wallets. And yeah, this sometimes can be a bit of a pain. You had to, okay, you, you click on the Zap button and then Wallet of Satoshi opens or some other wallet opens. And then you had to go back manually to the Damus app. Uh, and it was also always, I think, the goal of these uh, Nostra developers like Will to integrate the uh, wallets more, more deeply into their apps. But the main difficulty there is, okay, which API are you going to use? Because there wasn't really a, any good API, any unified API to talk with a lightning wallet, basically. So this is something which is a pain point of lightning network in general. All the different implementations have their own API. So LND has it, Claire has it. So this is, and then, yeah, there is, there's also the LND hub API, which is a simple HTTP API, but it only works with a, with an LND hub backend. So basically a custodial account. That was really the main pain point for these developers. And yeah, they really wanted to 
to have something which is easy to integrate. And so then Bumi came up with the idea of, okay, what if we do WebLN over Noster? So WebLN, as you may know, is, is, a, is a system which websites use to, to talk to the browser extension. So it's a two-way communication with a request and a response uh, between a website and, and a browser extension. Uh, but what if we take this and we put it on Noster? That way, so the main... The, the first benefit of this is that Noster developers can use the same APIs that they use to request and respond to generic Noster events that they already have, and they can use the same API to, to talk to Lightning Worlds, basically. So that's the, so the main benefit, how it works is that, okay, let's say you basically you make your lightning wallet into a, a chatbot. So that's the real analogy. There is a chatbot listening somewhere, which can either be on your own nodes or on in the clouds run by us, by Albi. And basically the, your Nostra client, your Damus app is talking to this chatbot and it says, Hey, could you please pay this invoice? And then you can have all kinds of checks and security measures in place. Basically the traffic is end-to-end -end encrypted, so you can use any relay. We use our specific Albi relay for this, but basically you can, you can do this using any relay and the traffic is encrypted, of course. So the relay doesn't really know what, what's going on, but basically you send these commands like, Hey, please pay this invoice. Or you can also, we even have right now, we, we even implemented more commands. Hey, what's my balance? Something like that. And you send this to this chatbot. And the second benefit of this is that. This works the same if you use your own nodes or if you use a custodial account. So we have published the software that we use for, for Albi accounts, but we have also published an Umbrella app, which you can install on your, on your own node. And for the, for the, from the point of view of the Nostr app, there is no difference if the user is using their own node or if a user is using custodial accounts. And so this is really the, what also one of the main strengths. And for example, there is, there are also the guys from, from mutiny, mutiny wallets, which have implemented it. And so you can also use your mutiny wallets in the same kind of system. And so I think that's really, that was really nice achievements to be able to, to have this one API, which also solves the problem of what, what you call the firewall problem, because if you used to connect to your own node, then you needed to use store or something, or you needed to expose your IP address to, from your nodes to open up a port and so on. But, and this is really a unified way of talking to both custodial wallets and to lightning nodes at home, basically. So that's, that's the main problem that Nostra Wallet Connect solved. And it's also a way of like, we, we launched it in March 1st or April, maybe. So we first integrated with Amethyst, which is the main Android client developed by Pamplona. And then also in, in May, we had, of course, Damus integrating it and it was only available on test flight at the, at that time, mm -hmm. but we, we, so as there was, there was the great, the great conflict between JB55 and Apple about the, and the notes zapping. So that's why right now it's, so it's integrated in, in Damus, but you can also only use it to zap profiles. Uh, not nodes, which is a shame, but the integration in Damus has, has uh, also really spurred uh, user growth to my uh, surprise as well. So there is really this kind of Apple effect 
that you can see in how many users actually use them is, is really big because yeah. at the time when you can really see in, in our metrics when, when the Damas app with an Osterwald Connect with the Albi connector launched in the app store for everyone to use, it's really clear and it's really driving a lot of growth for us in that, in that regard. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Web, Ellen, and are these APIs you're talking about, these are REST APIs? No, or so... Yeah, that's, that really is the main, it's not what we've talked about now is not a REST API. So that's really the main problem is that if you want to use something like a REST API, you have to run a server, publicly available server, which is running on some device, which is, has an open port basically. So it's, this is good for talking to websites from companies, which are always online. And which are on the public internet, but it's bad for talking to your own node, because if you want to use a REST API running on your umbrella or something, then you have yeah. to expose your IP address or use Tor basically. And Tor also has its own problems. It's very unreliable sometimes. And yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. So it, it's also rather difficult to set up. So, so WebLN is basically just an API between the browser and the browser. So it's just between okay. the website and the extension. And also what connect is like not a REST API, but it's, it's like more of a, or what's called a RPC, just a generic RPC okay. over WebSockets. Question for you, future of lightning with automated payments. This is happening already on Bits. There's an ongoing implementation for WebSockets for push payments and also an extension I've been working on called the scheduler, which allows mm -hmm. you to do automated payments. Do you see this impacting you guys anyway with automated payments? Maybe the future GitLB would also include, include scheduled payments. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And that's actually a very good question. And I do think that this would be one of the next steps, which could theoretically help Lightning reach the next level of growth. There has been some talk about like subscription payments, which is, I think, closely related to this concept or ZEP subscriptions. And yeah, I think I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's really an opportunity for growing lightning and like making sure that maybe some people like content creators get a more sustainable revenue stream, but it has to be implemented in the right way, I think. So at Albi, we also created something called the Zap Planner. So I don't know if it's still online, but it, it's basically the same, the same concept in that you can plan some Zaps or I think it's not really Zaps. It's just, just a generic lightning payments to be sent from your Albi account at some predefined schedule. But I, I think the main challenge here is that it needs to be, there needs to be enough in it for the person that actually sends the zaps as well. So you need to <laughs> reward, you need to reward the user enough that actually makes the payment. So if you just schedule some payments and it goes to, to some person and it just, you balanced, it's just deducted from your balance at some points in time and you don't really interact with it other than that it's, it's not a lot of people are gonna do it but i think if it's if you like can get the user interaction uh right that's like both sender and receiver know okay this person is either like a, a subscriber and like for example then it needs it for example it needs to be a real noster zap and you should get notified of it and so on 
So I think if this can help build the relationship between the creator and the subscriber, then it, it's really going to be an opportunity to grow the Zap economy more. But I think it, it needs to be in this way that there's, it helps to build a, a better, a closer band between, between subscriber and creator. It also needs to be, I think it needs to be under the control of the user on a low enough level. And what I mean by this is that you probably want a mobile app or something, or you want to probably manage your subscriptions from your Damus app or something of the likes. So it's really, the user does have the feeling that they are in control. So they don't, it, it's not like this. Because the worst thing that can happen is, okay, uh, your lightning wall gets drained, but and you don't have any easy way to uh, to stop it, basically. So I, I think it's also important that the user really has a very uh, high amount of control about about these things. And so that's why I think it's, it's best to manage this in a mobile app. Sure. But, yeah. yeah, there are a lot of different applications, I think, in addition to just apps. For example, one of the biggest places where I, I get the sense that people would want to use subscriptions are for the Noster bloggers. If you're blogging, a lot of people originally currently are blogging on Substack, right? Mm -hmm. And Substack actually has a very active and prolific subscription model mm -hmm. where people are generating content every month and then you subscribe or a Patreon, that kind of thing. And, and then it is quite widespread. And fortunately, some of these models are locked into the old traditional payment system like PayPal or regular bank accounts. It doesn't really work very well internationally for payments. And I think if you could do blogging on Noster and have a subscription model for someone like that internationally, yeah. that, that would be very effective. Yeah. Um, and yep. that would be like a long-standing long kind of subscription model that would make sense, not just Zaps. But I've had a number yeah. of people come to me and say, hey, I really want to have like Substack on, on Noster. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Paid subscription. That's absolutely true, and, but I think it, it's tricky to get the user experience, I think, like I said, so there, there needs to be some payoff that's so, for example, you would need to, yeah, that there's, and I think this also touches on something or is closely related to something, which I think is a very interesting division in the lighting space. First of all, between value for value and or paywalls versus value for value or something like that, which I think is a very interesting divide in possible dogmas or paradigmas. So the current system on Noster is the value for value system in that, okay, everything, all content is freely available. Also, like this comes from the podcasting worlds, like we publish all content freely available for everyone. And then you can pay whatever you want, basically. Or on the other hand, there is the paywall model, which you can have. It's also like a subscriber, like subscriber only content, which would work in a, a little bit of a different way. And I think that's a very interesting division. And I think because of the bootstrapping problem, the industry has now, or, or the lightning ecosystem is now very much in this value for value phase or a paradigma where people can pay whatever they want. But I think there is still space for like this subscriber only content or yeah, like lightly paywalled content that's only available for subscribers. I think there's still, yeah, space for that as well, yeah. basically. But yeah, it's, but the main thing I think is that like the user experience needs to be right. And then the main thing is that, okay, if people pay some, they really need to have the feeling that they get value for their, for their money. 
And yeah, that's the main tricky part, I think. Mm, yeah. Cool. I feel like one of the big pieces of news from GitLB has been about the Cal.com integration. And I don't know if yeah. you want to talk about that a little bit, but it's been very interesting. I don't know if I actually have a lot of say about that. You don't have uh, a lot to say? Yeah, but that was mainly Domex thing, actually. So oh, we, have, okay. we have Cal.com integration. I can say a little bit about it. Maybe you know more about it than me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, some comments or questions. Yeah. Go ahead. Recently, we've integrated with Cal.com. So the people that, that made the Cal.com websites have our Bitcoiners. And they, yeah, they, they've integrated Albi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't really know what to it's say, actually. Cal.com, yeah. it's a calendar, it's a scheduling app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can make appointments or big book appointments with somebody, like yeah. a doctor's appointment, or if you want to do have like a consulting session, or you want to have a meet with somebody. Uh, the thing about Cal.com, which is different from other apps like Calendi, is that Cal.com is actually a open source implementation. So you can right. run your own implementation of it. It's like the new way of doing things or the trending way of doing things with open source software is you have this public-private model, right? Because uh -huh. you have, what do you call it, the company that develops the software, but the software is open source and the company generates revenue from this as well, from their end users, that kind of thing. So I think for Cal.com is really good because you actually have a lot of privacy options and especially for the medical HIPAA compliance yeah. in the United States for medical privacy, you actually yeah. have to run that server yourself. Yeah. The neat thing it's... is that you can pay with SATs now. Uh, so did it have Ellen Bits integration as well, or did you mention that before? Or There was yeah. no Ellen yeah. Bits integration. So right now with Cal.com, there is a app inside that says Get LB. So you can actually activate the Get LB app and then use that to pay and connect it to your LB with whatever kind of wallet you want, custodio, non-custodio. And it allows you to say how many sats, but it doesn't allow you to actually use currencies and sats. So let's say the person still thinks in terms of fiat, like $100 worth of fiat, because sats fluctuate a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have yeah. that conversion yet. Ellen yeah, yeah. Bits has it now. I believe BCC Pay has it. So people still just post a link sometimes because you can actually just either redirect to a link or you can... I think just post a link. So maybe you guys might have that soon, eventually. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll mention it. So that's that's good feedback. So you can say, because I, I haven't really used it myself. So you, so you can say my appointments cost like a thousand sets an hour or something. Oh. Or is that? Yeah, okay. But you cannot say, okay, one dollar or, or, yeah, okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you can't say one dollar is worth in sats. Because sats all day. Moscow time always changes. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. I'll, I'll mention it, but this is probably something which the cal.com side has to do and not the Albi side, probably. It's the get Albi uh, app. It's the Albi. Yeah. Albi yeah. is actually a different payment. Yeah. Cal.com actually doesn't do any of it. All the payments are different plugins, basically. Yeah. But it's just a small feature. I think it's like people like want to do 100% sats. I get that. But the problem is that people still... The majority of people are still thinking of this in terms of fiat amounts. Yeah. And, and I think that's still a barrier because I think this probably might get some Bitcoiners mad. But I, yeah. I think that Bitcoin and Lightning is great for international long-distance payments, virtual payments. 
But when it mm-hmm. comes still back to the actual physical real world of supply chain, there's a lot of problems. Everyone still is using fiat. But just like that bridge, that really working in many places. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally on the same page. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, I, I, that actually, sorry, I cannot, that I cannot fine. really. It's okay. It's okay. It's something that Tomek was really in. Uh, I know he's really, yeah, he was a main driver behind this, I think. Yeah. So, or, yeah, that's really, but yeah, I cannot really say that much about it. But you can say lots about free open source software. Can you tell me what is your relationship? What is Get LB's relationship with the open source community? I've seen lots of bounties, open issues. What are you guys looking to do with the open source community? Yeah, the... Albi projects has really been from day one, has the open source mindset very deeply ingrained in its like ideology, I'd say. So it was founded by Bumi, who, yeah, is really a great guy that actually really uh, promotes the open source way of working, basically the open source mindsets. So the extension has been open source from the very beginning. And we've really done it for, we've open sourced like, I think 90% of our code. So not only the extension, but also the backend. So the lndhub.go, which, which we use to power the wallets has also been open sourced and even other things like our OAuth servers are also open source and obviously also Nostra Wallet Connects is also open source. So I think one benefit of this is that it helps build confidence. We have, there is uh, the custodial wallet, but we users cannot know for sure that uh, lndhub.go is what we run behind it, but it's, it's really, it, it is what, what we run. And so everyone can see which accounting software we use under the hood for the custodial wallet. And yeah, I'll be really, is very big. Um, very big in this space. We also contribute to the, there is currently something going on, which is called a Hacktoberfest. So yeah. it's not, it, it's not Bitcoin uh, related, but it's mostly on, on GitHub and on other uh, places where you can contribute to open source projects and you can get some GitHub badge. So we also, we are also participating in that one. So yeah. And it's really, there are. A lot of things, it, it, it's a challenge as well, because like managing the open source uh, community is also a very demanding task because sometimes you can get, sometimes you have, you get into this problem that everyone wants to push their own agenda, basically, like they want to have their own feature inside of the, inside of the projects. And that's not, it can be a bit of a challenge to keep sailing a straight course in, in the face of that. But like right now there are, I'm counting them right now. There are like 16 different ways of connecting a lightning wallet to the browser extension. And a lot of these are, are integrated by third parties, open by people non-affiliated with Albi. So you can even connect your, your blink wallets. So the, or the Bitcoin jungle wallets or Citadel or start nine or things like that. And a lot of these are contributions from the open source community. We also work pretty closely with the coin design community, which is doing open source designs. So yeah, a lot of our work has, yeah, we really have a lot of people are involved directly with the management of the open source contributions. Cause like you said, it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. Is it like one or two maintainers or 
Like, how do you guys go about picking what's what you guys want? Yeah, a lot of our work is is reviewing pull requests, and yeah, we just yeah, this is also mainly in the extension. We don't really get a lot of contributions to the lndhub.go software, the backend software. So if anyone is interested uh, in some Go development there, you can uh, go to GitHub and the Albi, the Albi organization has a lot of Go repositories as well. But in terms of, yeah, picking what you want. No, maybe I rephrased that question wrong. Each one of these repositories you guys have open source, is it like one maintainer? Yeah, the main... I am mainly the maintainer of all the backends repositories and then our most active open source project is obviously the browser extension. And then there is like a team of about like there are, we are about, I think four or five people maybe which actively work with the open source contributors and review those pull requests. Bumi is doing a lot of work there and then Roland and Rene as well. So yeah, it's really a team of about four people maintaining the Lightning Browser extension repository. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Lightning Browser. It seems like it's getting bigger and more complicated. Yeah, it is. It is. (laughs) How do you like... How do you see yourselves maintaining that as it gets really large? Because some of these projects yeah. get really big. Yeah, it, it does. We might be able to simplify something. It, like, so I think that in the future, we might need to split things up more. So if you have software, which does a lot of things, it's mostly not a great sign. So it might be a good idea in the future to, to split things up. So you, you will have the, maybe you will have the extension like it is now with all the connectors. But I think one thing we also want to do is we want to have Nostowalth connect in the extension. And this can really simplify things in that it can also be one unified connector for different backends. So this is something which we might explore in the future. So right now we have the LND, the LNC, Core Lightning connectors and so on. So these all were great, but if we can move towards, for example, something like Nostrobot connecting the extension, then you can connect any kind of nodes with the browser extension in an easy way. And that would be, I think that would be a better idea than having like this wild growth of uh, possible connectors for the, for the extension, basically. Okay. New contributors. Let's say you're going back all the way to the beginning and starting to contribute at the very beginning. What advice would you give to new open source contributors? Very frequent question I get. So there is the, regarding Albi specifically, there is the Albi community call, which is happening every two weeks, which is a video call, which we host. And there are always a lot of contributors that join there. So if you're not sure what to do or where to start, then I think hopping onto one of these community calls is a good idea. We always have people showcasing their apps or reviewing new contributions uh, uh, to the extensions and other softwares in a community call. So hopping on onto the call is really a good idea. So it's mostly, it's on Thursdays at five uh, central Europe, European time. So every two weeks. So if you're interested, certainly stop by. 
Other than that, it depends like where your strengths are at. There is really, if you're doing backend development then check out some of our backend repos, otherwise you can check out the browser extension repository. Another thing for new contributors that I would like to promote is the ball.fun tournaments are a really great way to get to know other people in the lightning and Noster community and start working on a project. So there's. They host some tournaments. You probably have had some people of them on the show, maybe, or you're probably aware that they, there is currently the Nostrasia tournaments or hack events going on. And these kinds of events are also really great to, to get to know other people building on lightning and on Nostr and to make some, uh, small application where you can like really, yeah, get started and get working on some uh, projects with other people. Yeah. That sounds pretty exciting. And future plans. Do you think get Albi would consider integration of Cashew? It's pretty interesting. And I think the browser extension could certainly be used. Cashew could certainly be integrated in, in the browser extension as a connector. I'm not 100% familiar with how the API works actually, but I'm pretty sure that it's, it's possible. But the difficulty with like a Xiaomi and eCash system yeah. is that it's pretty, for the custodial wallets, it's pretty different from the infrastructure that we have now. So the eCash system works in a completely different way than an accounting system, which is what we've currently implemented. So that's, I don't see that happening anytime soon that we move the custodial infrastructure to some mm -hmm. eCash system. It's going to be rather difficult, I think. I think, yeah. like, are you aware that Cashew is actually an extension on top of LMBits? Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was just yeah, curious about that. Yeah. And then finally, thoughts around Bolt 12, if you have any. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bolt 12, which is going to happen uh, very soon right now. No, I think it's. Uh, um, optimistic about it. Maybe or... explain to the audience what it is. I know right. that some people don't know what it is really. Yeah. Bolt 12 has been touted as some, something which will fix a lot of things in lightning. I think it's nice, but it's good to also temper the enthusiasm a bit maybe because the Bolt 12 proposal has been, is like an improvement of Bolt 11. Bolt 11 is the, the invoice spec. So the string, which starts with LNBC and so on would be improved in the under the bolt 12 proposal and it has some new features which all get thrown on a pile basically and then used uh, to say that uh, it will fix a lot of things but the main thing which is which is in there is that it will have a static uh, a static address for sending lightning payments something that there is a lot of custodial wallets so us and wallet of satoshi currently have a lightning address my lightning address is like kwdb at getalbi.com, but basically this requires the user to run a web server and Bolt 12 would be a way, would be the same thing, but would be natively on the lightning network. So you would have an offer, which is, which it's called, it would start with LNO and then so on. And then the info, it would be a two-way procedure in, in which first of all, over the lightning network, you ask for an invoice such as the wallets currently ask over HTTP for an invoice, then they would use natively the Lightning Network, which is better. 
because there is also something in there which is called blinded pods. So it would improve receiver privacy. The sender wouldn't really know where it is that he is either sending these payments or requesting these invoices from. So that then you would have better receiving privacy because right now, if you create an invoice and you give it to someone, they know exactly either what your notice or what your custodial wallet provider is, because it's all in the invoice information and under the blinded pods proposal in Bolt 12, this wouldn't, this information could be shielded from the person that sends the payment basically. So it's an improvement in that sense, but it's not going to solve all of Lightning's problems, of course. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about the Phoenix wallets, which is working on it. I think that will really be a big improvement because right now it's only uh, like a C Lightning basically that's, that supports it. Maybe also, I, and I know that LDK is also working on it. So if, if Phoenix wallets and, and LDK ship for this kind of functionality, I think it's, it will be pretty exciting, but yeah, so excited about it, but it's also not going to solve uh, every problem that lightning is, of course. Yeah. That sounds good. Is there anything else you want to tell us before we close today? I think I, I talked about most of the things that Talked about I wanted to talk, talk about. Yeah. I just, maybe about the future of the Albi wallets. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe. Yeah. 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 So we are looking for ways to go from the custodial infrastructure at Albi to non, or let's say a less custodial infrastructure. And I've been mainly trying to see if we can use something like LDK for that. So it's a really big topic about custodial accounts versus non-custodial accounts, mm -hmm. and which is always like the internal, you know, you like a... Yeah, there's like a friction. There's a friction, right? Um, have you looked into Greenlight? Yeah, we did. And also with the Breeze SDK, we have also been experimenting with that, but also with LDK. So yeah, I'm not really sure yet which on a technical level, which one is the, the best, although I'm, I'm more of a, of an LDK type in the, in, I'm more in the LDK camp than in the Greenlight camp. I don't want to trust talk bad about it too much. It's a really great product and I've, I've, I've tested it quite a bit. So I have both the Breeze SDK and Greenlight, but I'm more of a, I don't think it's Greenlight solves enough problems for the complexity that it introduces, which would be my take on it, but I'm really looking forward to, to it becoming a thing. So that would be great, but I'm more of in the, like the LDK, I would be more in the LDK camp, okay. I'd say. So I'm, I'm really looking for ways to make the Albi custodial wallets less custodial, let's say, maybe mm -hmm. because it's not always a clear divide between custodial and non-custodial. There are always different levels of trust. Even if you use your Bitcoin hardware wallet or Bitcoin core, there is always some trust somewhere, which is implied. So I think there is still some room between good user experience of, or try to as much as possible, create the user experience of a custodial wallet, but then move towards something which is like a semi custodial or something. Certainly be, or we are exploring this and I would certainly be interested in, let's say that you 
you receive payments in a custodial way, but then let's say your channel is being updated later on when you open an app or something, something like that, maybe it, it, it's just an idea. So that's just an example of something which I think is possible in the space between something completely custodial and something non-custodial, but trusted in some, to some degree, basically. So that's something which I really would like to explore further in the future. Is it correct, or maybe I misunderstood before, that right now the way GetAlby has it set up, are all the custodial wallets set up similar to how LMBits does it, or it's just an accounting system? And yes. Okay. Yeah. And so you would want to move to something that's more like each account has its own channels and they would open up their own channels. Yes. So if you go to ln.getalby.com, that's our, the homepage. So just ln.getalby.com. That's actually a homepage of our, of our LND hub. And you can see all our channels and, and the balances in those channels, basically. So we currently have about 193 active channels. And so there's the, the accounting system. So these are the assets in the, on the note and the accounting system, the liabilities is being recorded in the lndhub.go repository. But I think, so, so this is a completely custodial setup, but I think there is some possibility of, let's say that you receive some money in your custodial account, but as soon as you get above, let's say 100K sets, we automatically, or the LSP, an LSP automatically opens a channel to the user. And then you would have a, a non-custodial, at that point, you would have a, a non-custodial wallet, basically. So for example, something like that, which is like a semi-trusted setup, which is a compromise between yeah, usability and, and trustlessness, uh, which I think is underexplored today. Yeah. So if you're interested with it in this, and also if you're interested in LDK or something like that, please reach out to, uh, to us at Albi. Thank you so much for your time today, Quentin. Well,